Hi, everyone, and welcome to Lift Your Life. Today, my guest is Bryce Krauchek. I did ask him before. I made sure that I got the surname correct for the first time. And apparently, I did, I did a lot better than a lot of people, which is, which is always a good start. Um, Bryce is a Canadian powerlifter. Uh, he's a coach and he's also a world record deadlift holder and I am a massive fucking fan <laughs> um, so Bryce thank you so much for joining me really appreciate you taking the time out to join me on the podcast how Absolutely. are you doing? happy to be here I'm doing good I'm doing good we uh it was insanely hot here the last few weeks and uh when it gets hot like that it really disrupts sleep so training was a little bit off kilter and uh the temperature is kind of back to a more workable level now so training is going good which usually means most everything else feels better <laughs> what's a nice workable temperature because here in the uk if we get to about 18 19 degrees that's clusters you know what it's 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 baking hot yeah oh man so. we're we're down to about 25 right now okay which normally is a bit much for me but after a few weeks at like 36 to 38 25 feels pretty okay wow okay okay fair enough fair enough so bryce can i get you to introduce yourself and let the people know exactly what you do and also a bit about your achievements and before you actually go into that the power lifter is my biggest motivational short documentary i go to every time i'm feeling down and i don't know if my training's going well or anything like that and i think to myself do you know what i need to get myself back on that level again if anybody hasn't seen it go on youtube and watch the power lifter it's the best 22 minutes and god knows i'll probably know the time exactly how many seconds it is that it'll be so worth it so i just wanted to get that out there first <laughs> for sure well thank you i really appreciate that we had we had a lot of fun um putting that together and i i mean i still go back to it i still go back to old old meat videos and stuff when I'm feeling a little, uh, a little lost in training. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely serves a similar purpose for me sometimes, <clears throat> uh, in terms of a, a bit about myself, uh, I'm a competing powerlifter and coach. I've been competing since 2012. So coming up on almost a decade of that, uh, which is insane to say out loud, <laughs> really dating myself here, um, started coaching maybe a year or two after that. So probably six or seven years coaching now. And um, yeah, uh, I've had some, some pretty good success. I think uh, at this point, like six or seven time national champion, um, managed to finish second at Classic Worlds in my best showing and fifth at Equipped Worlds. Um, so some, some sort of interdisciplinary success there. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, as well as having the pleasure of coaching uh, many, many lifters to national and international um, platforms. So, yeah, been doing this for a while. Um, another big thing we do a lot of is create YouTube content. We stream live on Twitch. And, um, yeah, just trying to – I think I think one of the things that uh, sort of was the the sort of pillar of, of founding Calgary Barbell, which uh, I believe was 2014 we started Calgary Barbell was to try to improve the accessibility of good content and good, you know, videos and Instagram posts, or just kind of like affect the overall way that people think about powerlifting and training in a way that I think was missing when I got into lifting in 2012, because it was basically your, your resources at the time were elite FTS and Jim Wendler and that kind of stuff, or uh, a few random guys posting their training logs in forums who were running like Shiko templates. And that was pretty much the only things I could find. And obviously things have grown and, and developed to the point where, you know, there's a, almost an overabundance uh, of information now, but one of the biggest things we try to do with Calgary Barbell is get good information out there. So yeah, that's a, maybe a quick run through. <laughs> yeah, no. So with Calgary Barbell and there's, there's form check Friday, form check mm -hmm. Friday is amazing. Um, just generally all your content that you do on YouTube is amazing. Do you do all the editing and everything like that for it? Because I do none of that. That's, <laughs> okay. uh, so my business partner, his name's Dylan and um, Calgary Barbell would not exist the way that it does without him. So around, uh, like I started Calgary Barbell in 2014, it's probably 2015 or 2016 that Dylan and I started realizing that, uh, you know, his, his skills in, in filming 
and editing uh, and post-production kind of all those kinds of things mixed with, uh, I guess, my ability to kind of talk about things like this in a way that I think is relatable to a lot of people, uh, as well as being pretty strong. Uh, we're, we're kind of a really, really strong match and allowed us to, to kind of bridge the gap between like at, at the time, Dylan was filming his own vlogs of his own training, but his big thing was like, well, nobody cares because I'm not that strong. So when we kind of got together, we had his talent meet mine and it, it kind of was the catalyst that, that, uh, I think is, has propelled Calgary Barbell to be, uh, what it's known for today, which is, you know, high quality video production. So no. That's not me. That's Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> with regards to your powerlifting itself, so you, obviously you've got your team with um, with with Dylan. Mm -hmm. Do you do you have like a team, as in like a powerlifting team that, or is it, or do you train alone? Do you do your programming all alone, or how does that all work? So I've been coached by Mike Tashir now for I want to say five or six years. I want to say it was about 2015 when we started working together. So he's handled my training uh, for a, quite some time now. And that was maybe one of the best decisions I ever made as an athlete was to get a good qualified coach that I trusted and whose methods I believed in and could like wrap my head around, you know? Um, in terms of how I train, I mean, over the last little while, it's been mostly at home in my basement, my condo basement. Uh, gyms here have just recently opened up. And hopefully they stay that way, obviously. Um, so it's been really good to get back to the team uh, in, insofar as it's just, you know, a bunch of people who train at the same gym. But there's a there's a really good community there. So in terms of training, that's kind of what I lean on. Um, yeah. Okay. okay. <clears throat> With lifting such heavy weights, um, I'm sure you've, you've overcome some kind of injuries. I think a big one for yourself was your hip injury. Mm -hmm. So... What I'd like to know is, is what did you do to overcome your hip injury? And also, where were you at mentally when the hip injury occurred? So the hip started flaring up probably around late 2015, I want to say, because I remember it being a really big issue heading into 2016 Worlds. Um, and basically what it was, was anytime I squatted or deadlifted heavy, I would have like a stabbing pain in my hip as I locked out. So the very top of the movement. Um, now at the time, like I probably, I mean, I still, still feel it sometimes to this day. Um, but at the time, my biggest sort of course of action or course of treatment was to try to get physio and Cairo and all these kinds of things have massage. I had acupuncture, I had cupping, I had literally everything done and nothing seemed to really have any kind of, impact at all uh, at least not in any like meaningful or measurable way um and it was it was incredibly frustrating like i many many times when it would get bad i would question whether or not i was done with the sport and you know if i was done with the sport well who's left like who who am i now right because this sport for me encompasses so much of my identity and there's so much of my uh, identity as an athlete tied to my performances and tied to being able to be competitive. And if that's taken away, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of really big sort of conversations I had to have with myself around that. And it was, it was pretty shitty, um, to think about those kinds of things, feeling as I, you know, as I am relatively, relatively young, you know, I'll be 34 this year, so I'm no spring chicken, but I think I still have another 20 years of powerlifting in me at least. So, yeah, to, to kind of like face that potentiality was was huge and pretty daunting. The biggest thing that I did to help sort of assuage those fears and to get past it and to get back to the place where I am today, where um, I'm really excited. I just found out I'm going to be going to Raw Worlds this year. Wow. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. I found that out yesterday. So it'll be great to be back on the on the Raw Worlds or the Classic Worlds platform. But to get back to this point, the biggest thing that I did was educating myself on, on pain science, on, on how pain works, on why pain occurs, on the very multifactorial nature of pain, um, and just understanding that, you know, a lot of these other treatments, you know, maybe they work for some people and maybe they have some mechanism by which they work. But for me, the biggest thing was load management, adjusting my training, bringing the weight down when it flared up and doing weight that I could do pain-free 
and then stringing together pain-free sessions. And whatever that meant for me to get a pain-free session, if it was squatting high, if it was squatting against bands and chains, because I didn't have to load it up so much at the bottom. Uh, if it was doing front squats or high bar squats or SSB or whatever it meant for that day, the biggest thing again was kind of just load management uh, and also switching from conventional to sumo helped a lot. So uh, just finding ways to work around the pain instead of through it was the biggest thing. So understanding that I can't just like keep beating my head against the wall with training and hope that these like sort of external and, and, you know, active modalities of massage and Cairo and acupuncture and all these things like those will fix it. I'm not going to change what I'm doing here that probably caused the problem and realizing like, okay, well, let's shift this, like shift this idea of control back into my hands where I very much have the power to create these pain-free sessions. And it might suck to swallow my pride and squat 170 kilos when, you know, when I'm a 315 kilo squatter, but that allows me to train. And if I can string together three or four of these sessions with no pain, maybe I'm squatting 220 with no pain, you know, and then kind of progressing from there. And that's been a years long thing. Um, and even, you know, to this day, I still, still have it flare up uh, to some, at least very small extent in most training sessions. Like it, it is present. It's not, it's not gone. I'm not better. I'm not fixed. I haven't, uh, completely overcome it, but what I've done is get to a point where like, I'm comfortable with a small amount of pain and it really only ever flares up to a small amount of pain. And if it starts to get worse, I know that I need to take some corrective, you know, course correction in, in my training. And I do that and I get it figured out and back under control and I can train again. So it's limiting. It is a limitation. And if I want to continue to push my training and, and try to be stronger, then it's, it's going to be present. Like I, I, you know, it's probably never going to go away unless I just resign myself to being okay, not progressing, which I'm not okay with. So it's, it's a management thing more than it is like a binary, like it was there, not there anymore kind of thing. So it's, it's basically you're working smart, aren't you? Because, and it's swallowing that ego pill, isn't it? As, mm -hmm. as a power lifter, you know, you go, you go into the gym, like you were saying, you're lifting a lot heavier, but <clears throat> you're, you're actually thinking about the pain rather than thinking, pushing through it. I know with me, it's a case of the amount of times I've gone to the gym and that's how my injury occurred was I didn't listen to my body. I just right. thought I'm just going to push through with it. It's fine. But my body was basically telling me no, not to crack on with it. So yeah. I suppose it's, it's, it's swallowing that ego pill as a powerlifter as well, isn't it? And just thinking, do you know what? No, yes, I know what I'm capable of doing, but what mm -hmm. am I capable of doing pain-free and in the long run, looking at the bigger picture, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned from being at this sport and lifting and competing and coaching so many people, it's that like, if you can just find a way to get the work in, you're going to get better. It might take a while. It might not feel great mentally. It might feel like you're plateaued, but like, if you can just find a way to get the work in, you will get better, right? Like it, it's just sort of an inevitability, but you do have to be smart about it. You do have to figure out what variables you can play with to accommodate what needs you have. So with regards to training methods, mm -hmm. do you use like chains, bands and so on and so forth? So do you do all that? Yeah, I do. I love that shit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and I know that there's, yeah, there was a, a little like Instagram debate with, I think, Joe Stanek and some other guys uh, talking about whether or not the studies or the literature supported squatting against accommodating resistance or, or something like that. Um, but like the big thing for me is I, I've used it. I use it routinely and it works. You know what I mean? Like when I, when I implement this as a strategy in my training, I like it. It's fun. It's novel and I get stronger. So like, to me, that's, that's sort of good enough evidence. Um, now, obviously I think the actual, the actual specifics of the study were that uh, it, it showed no significant improvement over just doing the squat, but that's not to say that it was necessarily worse than just doing the squat. So, you know, uh, again, uh, another case for accommodating resistance would be from an injury standpoint, when my shoulders get really flared up um, from doing a lot of bench work, when my shoulders feel painful, a lot of the times benching against bands feels really good because I can still have a fair bit of load through most of the range of motion, but in the very bottom, there's a little bit less or, or a lot bit, a lot of bit less, depending on how you load the bands, um, which is where my shoulders tend to get, you know, a little crappy. So having that sort of force or, or, uh, yeah, force profile 
sort of change throughout the lift seems to be beneficial from a number of different standpoints, but yeah, I don't know. I think my biggest thing is that uh, I try not to just rule things out and we'll usually find a way to experiment and figure out if they work before I decide they don't. Uh, and then I'll retest that after time, try to be as, as sort of like open and dogmatic or sorry, not dogmatic, pragmatic uh, as I can with a lot of this stuff. So, so I'm going to do something completely different to my normal podcast, because like I said, I'm a fan. So I'm yeah. going to think I'm going to be really selfish now and ask some questions around yeah. powerlifting and around training and around diet and so on and so forth. So my first question, which was, I think uh, the, the questions that were given to me by other powerlifters, mm -hmm. a lot of them are specific around this. So I'm going to ask you specifically around this. So what are you wearing at the minute? <laughs> um, so I weighed in this morning. I was, uh, I think, 116.5 kilos. Okay. So very in, specific. In the powerlifter, you were talking about moving up a weight, weren't you? Because you were in the 105s, mm -hmm. were you? Yeah, yep. 105s, yep. yeah. So my question is, as a powerlifter, mm -hmm. what would you recommend? And uh, you can sort me out a diet plan whenever you, whenever you can, Bryce. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, what would you suggest for a powerlifter who wants to put on good weight, but mm -hmm. wants to eat for strength and not get a belly? Um, basically, just <laughs> spend 10 years dieting up and down um like the, and i mean so we have this video on youtube called no sexy answers and i think that was maybe one of the best descriptions that i gave of like how to sort of moderate your diet when you're when you're a power lifter and and basically like the more often you can be in a surplus the better it's going to be for your training straight up right you're going to recover better uh you're, you're going to put on more muscle which yeah, there's a little bit of back and forth in the literature as to whether CSA cross-sectional area has that much of an impact on strength and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, let's just, let's just pause it for the sake of discussion that, you know, bigger muscles produce more force, or at least have the, the potential to, um, you're going to be putting on more muscle. You're going to be recovering better. You're going to have more carbohydrates in your system, uh, for energy. So there's a ton of, ton of cases to be made for being in a surplus. Now, the thing is, you know, the magnitude of the surplus. So if you can be in a smaller surplus and gain less weight, but be in that surplus for longer, that to me makes more sense because it's going to have a more prolonged impact on a larger chunk of your training. And you're likely going to end up needing to cut less as a result of that. But my general rule of thumb is like, you know, um, bulk till you feel fat and then cut till you feel pretty good again. And then bulk till you feel fat and then cut till you feel pretty good again. And then at some point, like, you're just going to be like, okay, this is like, I'm, I'm, I'm all right here. And then you can do much smaller bulks and cuts. Right. Uh, and then I think the biggest way, you know, it also has to fit the individual because there's a trade-off where quality of life will probably begin to suffer if you just sort of gain weight forever. Um, or if you try to be like as competitive as you can based on your height, because I mean, you know, weight classes are really height classes when you, when you kind of boil it down. And, uh, at my height, uh, I'm probably pushing up against as big as I would want to get as a 120. I don't think that I would want to go into the 120 pluses. Could I be more competitive? You know, is there a point to doing that? I don't know, maybe, but you know, the trade-offs of that quality of life at 120 to me makes them make the most sense. So you have to factor in like, you know, if you get really big and you're fairly short, you might not feel as good walking up and down stairs. You might have to sleep with a CPAP. You might have to, you know, do some of these things. And uh, like, I don't know, it depends on how much of a priority powerlifting is in your life. And if powerlifting isn't your entire life and the be all and end all, and your, your total isn't just like, you know, if your goal isn't to be competitive at IPF worlds, then like, maybe you just stay somewhere where you're comfortable and maybe that's okay. And maybe you like cut a little bit more and look shredded and that makes you feel good. Then do that. So I don't know. There's a really like long and unnecessarily maybe nuanced answer <laughs> to a seemingly simple question. But. So how tall are you? Um, what, what is it? I think I'm like 170 centimeters. I'm five foot 10 ish. Oh, so, five foot 10, five you, foot yeah, so you're about the same height as me. Yeah. 
So how can I get to your size? So I'm a <laughs> Just tell me what you eat. Just, just, Man, just hit me. You know what I eat. <laughs> Do you have to calorie count as a powerlifter? Which I presume you, when you're talking about deficits and so on and so forth, you do need to factor that in so or or do you just look at the macros uh i mean the, the two are pretty intrinsically yeah. linked right because if you take in a certain number of macros you know what that calorie total is yeah, going to yeah. be um do i think it's absolutely necessary no do i think probably a fair number of like very high performing people get away with not really paying that much attention to it yes but if you want to try to maximize body composition and performance like you have to start getting into the finer details I don't think you need to go much past macros and uh and calories to get a good idea of like trends in the long term and you know calorie levels versus activity levels and those kinds of things but uh yeah i, I think if you're not paying some pretty decently close attention to your nutrition you're kind of you're doing yourself a disservice in my opinion <laughs> this was a question that was asked this wasn't me this wasn't me this was okay a okay that intermittent fasting for powerlifters does it work sure i don't know that it works any better than any other diet strategy though that would be the big thing right is like a lot of these i don't know you can call it fads yeah probably probably is a is an accurate term but a lot of these like fad diets like the vertical diet and like okay. organizing your nutrition in certain ways or being you know super restrictive or whatever like as long as you're healthy and you're not like messing yourself up by cutting out vegetables or doing some like weird carnivore shit which i think is stupid <laughs> um then like as long as it works for you if it, if it puts things in a system and organizes your your nutrition in such a way that it makes sense for you and allows you to adhere to it then that's great right like if you if you go vertical and it helps you get in good quality food and you know you, you're able to manipulate it really easily by adding or subtracting rice and maple syrup or whatever the like allowable things are in that um all then, the like, more, yeah, then like more power to you you know if, if intermittent fasting fits your lifestyle um i i often joke that i accidentally intermittent fast from time <laughs> to time because i'll i'll go you know most of the day on a cup of coffee and then at like two um realize like oh shit i haven't eaten anything yet today and then i'll start eating then but it's not because i'm like thinking it's going to make me leaner yeah. or anything like that it's just kind of how my day works out uh so yeah, again, I think if it works for you, cool. But uh, I don't think there's, I don't think it's any like magic pill that's going to make you perform better and all of a sudden be leaner just because you're organizing your calories into a different, you know, window of the day or whatever. Talking about magic pill, mm -hmm. supplements. What's mm -hmm. your, what's your thoughts on supplements? Because like myself, like myself, and you're you're a drug free powerlifter, so you're mm -hmm. a tested powerlifter. Mm -hmm. So. <clears throat> do you use a lot of supplements or how does that work or what are your thoughts on it or do you think it's all a lot of it's just bullshit i think a lot of it's just bullshit but i feel like a lot of power lifters hopefully know that by now uh like i i work with a supplement company shout outs elemental formulations code crab shark um <laughs> but uh yeah like i use a i use a protein I use a couple different pre-workouts because I like having the ability to like take a more intense pre-workout for a bigger session or a less intense pre-workout for a lesser session. Um, and I take creatine and like that is, that's it. So a pre-workout, a whey protein and a creatine. And I think you'd be pretty hard pressed to uh, make a case for some sort of benefit for something other than those three like very, very basic things. Um, and for somebody like students, uh, you know, if budget is a thing, you don't need pre-workout, go get a bottle of caffeine pills and just, you know, dose your caffeine that way. You're getting most of the benefits of a pre-workout, I would argue from just caffeine, but. I, I use pre-workout, I think twice. Mm-hmm. And I was fucking wired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's the other part is it's kind of fun, it's right? like, <laughs> I was literally like, fuck, uh, I was, I don't know, I was like a fucking, at a rave. I was just like, so zoned in and like, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this shit? And then like, I don't know whether I had some cheap shit or something, but it was like, I had started getting heart palpitations and shit. And I was just thinking, this is, <laughs> fuck, this is not right. This yeah. is not right. <laughs> yeah. 
your mileage may vary. Yeah, yeah. I went to 0.260 in about 0.5 <laughs> seconds. You know. Yeah. Um, like okay. Okay. So another question, which is, do you think how much, or how much I'm asking, does alcohol affect your overall performance? Mm, so I think. So I, I actually, I, I drink pretty regularly. I have like a beer most nights, probably. Um, the big thing with alcohol to me is that if you're counting your macros and your calories, it's replacing other potentially more useful macronutrients. So maybe over the long term, there's a bit of an impact. Do I think that like if you have a beer a couple times a week, you're you're shooting yourself in the foot performance wise no absolutely not no but i'm talking about like let's say you're you're going out on the session and you're doing like half a bottle of vodka and about 15 beers mm-hmm. so i take that's it you i take a huge it, session by the way no, that's not that, that, that's not my personal <laughs> honestly I, well i've just shot myself in the foot i've not um so <laughs> that's not my personal experience right. uh, but sometimes i do get a bit carried away and yeah, um, as we all do I like think. i don't really feel like training so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the other thing right is like uh so i actually i was home visiting family over this last weekend and it was the first time we've been able to do that i haven't seen my parents uh like my, my parents are split so i have kind of two different families that i go hang out with and uh I haven't seen either side in close to a year and a half and my oh. brothers were able to come down and so yeah we definitely had uh, a number of drinks together uh and then i had to train on the sunday morning ish so i think the other trick is like if you're gonna do that go do your work get your session in um you know i i didn't feel super hot on sunday morning but I, went <laughs> my, I got my session in i did my squats my bench my deadlift and and uh you know got it all done and i think i think there's some research to suggest that like having some protein in and around your alcoholic beverages can counteract some of the potential uh, repercussions when it comes to recovery. I know that doesn't sound like the most. Hold uh, on, hold on one minute, one minute. Are you telling me if I go out on a night out and have about four or five beers and then halfway through, I start shaking my bottle (laughs) with my protein shake and it drink that I can have another four or five and I'm okay. Uh, you're giving me some ideas here but you probably have to ask somebody a little more in tune to the nutritional (laughs) uh, research than me but uh, apparently there is there is some benefit to having some protein right around that window that can help uh, you know counteract some of the some of the recovery detriments of of drinking but but by the sounds of things you don't obviously have these big sessions on a regular basis it's probably just a few beers yeah yeah for the most part um, but I also think, again, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like, to be that guy and say people should live their lives. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm a big, big proponent of powerlifting, enhancing one's life, not consuming one's life. So mm-hmm. if, if you're like afraid to have a beer at a social gathering because you're like, oh, man, I don't know, like I got to lift two days from now and this might like, don't be that person. If you don't want to drink, that's fine. I'm not saying that that, like people should drink and everybody has, you know, reasons for those kinds of things. And that's absolutely, you know, big, big supporter of of any reason somebody wouldn't drink. But if it's because of powerlifting and it's feeling like you're, you're like chained to some sort of like super restrictive lifestyle, because that's the only way you're going to make it to your goals, like maybe rethink that a little bit and just i suppose, I suppose that's a different times yeah i suppose that's a difference between us as in like powerlifting and bodybuilding and things like that because like most bodybuilders that i've spoken to like when they're cutting or when they're in training it's like literally they've got to really watch everything that goes into their body and obviously with a powerlifter mm-hmm. you know i feel like we do have a little bit more leeway um yeah i just but, track my beers right like i have <laughs> a i have a macronutrient equivalent of my beer yeah and every 12 ounces or like can of beer I have, I just put it into my nutrition tracker. I put it into my fitness pal. So it comes off my daily tally so I can still track my calories. Um, oh, wow. Okay. I probably will. I will probably drink less beers as I head into competition. Like I got, uh, I think like two meats in the next 13 or 14 weeks now. So I'll probably be more like two to three beers a week instead of five to six beers a week. But 
again, that's just because like, okay, I want to use those calories to get a little bit more out of my recovery. So. Because I, when, when I used to train, well, I, I still do train now, but when I haven't, I haven't competed now, last time I competed was back in 2019. It was the first time I lifted after nearly seven years um, since right. I had the injury. Right. Um, and I lifted in just, just a, in a singles competition. So I just done the deadlift. Um, yeah. And um, I pulled up 250 kilo, Woo! Nice. Um, which was which, which was which was a new like local record. Um, but like I I've always done like six to eight weeks. Like I won't drink and that's it. I'm I'm off the alcohol and yeah. I'm going to train. But then what I used to notice was like when it comes to like on a Sunday because I used to train on on the Sunday. Then I used to move my my gym session from a Friday to a Sunday just to get used to lifting on a Sunday because the competition's on Sunday. Right. I'd be such a miserable, horrible, just grumpy ass person <laughs> on, on, on the Saturday. And like, literally, I think that was the first time my wife was with me when I had my first powerlifting meet and we'd been married. And she was just like, you are so horrible on a Saturday because all I'm, I'm you know, obviously all I'm thinking about is my lifts. And I'm just thinking yeah. I need to do this. I need to hit this and I need to do this in, in there and so on and so forth. I was just so horrible. So now that you've said that, what I'll do is I'll start having a couple of beers and, and just chilling out a little bit and just, yeah. Not, yeah not just thinking. instead of having like 10 beers on a Saturday, have like three. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? All the limitation, all the limitations. So Bryce, you have set up um, your coaching. Um, so you've set up the app and everything like that, and, and you're doing it all fully now. So talk to us a bit about that. How's that all working out for you? It's great. It's really great. Um, so we've been coaching, like doing the online coaching thing for a number of years now, myself, Taylor, Danny, and now Derek has recently joined our coaching staff. So um, for more, more serious athletes or athletes who are looking for more of a, you know, sort of a little, little bit more of a touch point that I think is, uh, is, is the way to go. We have got a couple coaching options, Danny and Derek do some nutrition stuff. Um, and we recently released the, uh, the training app. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's sort of very interactive. You can log all of your training in it. It'll give you load suggestions based on RPE. It's got an RPE chart in it that adapts to what your inputs are over time. So it helps you get more and more accurate with your RPEs. Um, cause a lot of our training relies pretty heavily on RP. And, uh, it's a place where you can upload your videos, which is nice. You don't have to keep them on your phone and um, helps you kind of organize your training in that way with a really interactive training log. Now, the other thing that we do with that is we have this really fantastic Discord community that only members who get coached through the app can join. Um, and we have channels in there for asking questions about the programming, uh, getting help with modifying the programs, coming up with different you know, ways to uh, incorporate bicep curls is a really popular topic. You know, where can I put my curls in? Uh, those kinds of questions uh, as well as especially, having especially like in the summer yeah check. especially yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh, and then we have channels for form checks in there where we'll go in and help people out with their technique um, as well as uh, do some some nutrition stuff in there as well so we try to make it kind of like a, a large group coaching basically um, Danny and Derek and Taylor and myself uh, we're in that discord pretty much every day so yeah, it's been working out really good. People have been been really happy with it and, and getting good results. So it's uh, I'm glad we waited as long as we did to come up with a way to do like a program library or training app kind of thing, because I think it's just a lot more than what you would get from buying a PDF, you know? Yeah, and, and, and I think that's the, that's the thing that I, I would like to ask you with regards to like programming and things like that. I mean, there's so many different programs out there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I followed various ones, looked online and so on and so forth. But sometimes you just like, there's so much out there. Like you, was, like you were talking about earlier, there's so much out there and you just think to yourself, so what is right and what isn't right? And how mm -hmm. does this work? And, and so on and so forth. So for people that are struggling with programs and things like that, what would you suggest to them as in for like a basic program? So somebody that's lifting at sort of like an intermediate level yeah. and they're looking at changing their program and adding things and, and, and removing things and so on and so forth. I think the biggest question I get asked is around um, for powerlifters, should we be doing a lot of accessory work or mm -hmm. 
So let's say I want to increase my squat. Would you suggest that I, I should be doing a lot of leg curls and a lot of leg presses and so on and so forth? What would you suggest? All right. So I think there's a couple questions in there. The first one, um, you know, what would, what would I recommend somebody do if they're looking to try to like improve their programming? So we have a free 16 week program. Uh, I think it's a, I'm not sure if we still have it on our website, but it's definitely on lift vault. Uh, if you look it up on there, we have things like our training app. Uh, if you're interested in that, we have coaching and all those kinds of things. So depending on like how much guidance you want and whether or not you're willing to invest in that, you know, going the route of coaching or a training app or something like that could be a, route, a, a way to go. Um, the other thing is there's so many free programs out there. Like lift vault is a great site that has just pages and pages of free programs out there. So I would just like mess around in there. Uh, you know, if you're not looking to spend any money, you can mess around in there. You can download a bunch of different programs. You can pick through the Excel files. You can look at what other people are programming, what other people are doing. And you can even like mix and match and just like, be like, Oh, I like this squat progression and take it out of this program. And I like this bench progression, take it out of this program. And, um, you know, kind of put together what works for you. And that kind of leads into your other question, which is, you know, should we be doing like more bodybuilding or like isolation type movements, or should we just be squatting more? And I tend to lean more on the side of just squatting more. Um, right. So, you know, if, if you can tolerate the load, which is when you would, um, you know, it, it, hold on, let me slow down a sec here. So if you can squat more and get away with it and not run into like a big recovery deficit where you're not recovering session to session, or you're, you know, running into small overuse injuries and things like that, then that's probably going to be more bang for your buck. But if you try to squat more and you run into these hiccups and these little injuries and you know you're having trouble re uh, recovering then yeah doing more accessory work and getting more work on those muscles is maybe a good way of sort of shoehorning that work in um the biggest thing that i think a lot of more sort of like newer lifters do that uh kind of is is a bit self-sabotaging is they don't even track their training like I, I've known a lot of people at my gym uh, and one guy, so I, I went back in after, you know, the gyms have been closed for whatever, three or four months to last lockdown and uh, ran into a guy who's been, who'd been training there. And I was like, Holy shit, dude, like you look, you look jacked. Like what, what are you doing? And he's like, Oh, I started, uh, started writing down my training so that I could make sure that I was doing more or better than the last session that I did. And he had been training for like a number of years. And he was like, Oh, I just, I just started tracking my training. He's like, it's crazy. All my lifts are going up. Like I'm getting jacked. And it was just like as simple as just paying attention to what you're doing sometimes. So, I mean, for me, I started out on the five, three, one program. Uh, I think that's a great place for a lot of people to start probably not enough bench work for most people. So, you know, maybe throwing a little bit of extra bench work, but yeah, we also have the 16 week calgary barbell free program floating around on the internet which i you know i get a lot of rave reviews on have for years so yeah i think i'll be trying that out yeah absolutely yeah, i think i'll definitely try that out definitely 110 percent. so you've been doing this for a number of years now mm -hmm. so what motivates you to go in the gym day in day out after so many years I think because uh, like I have this, I have this very like deep belief that I can do more that like I can be better. And the only way to do that is just to continue working. Uh, I think it's, that's, that's probably the biggest why that I have is like, I have more to prove whether that's to myself or to other people, probably, probably both. Um, but I feel like I have, I have more capability and I want to continue to test where that capability lies. Um, I also love training. Like to me, it's, it's very cathartic. Um, like I go in and I'm blasting music and head banging and sniffing ammonia and like <laughs> moshing around my basement and shit. Like I get, I get a lot out, you know what I mean? I, I, I sit here in front of my computer most days, almost all day. So when I get to go to the gym and let loose and just like be a big goofball and, you know, act out as it were, uh, it, it does a lot for me mentally, I think maybe even spiritually. 
I don't know how in touch with that side of myself I am, but maybe there's something there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably my biggest reason. And I just love comp. I love, I love competing. I love, I love what the sport of powerlifting and competing in powerlifting is to me, um, in terms of like my capabilities in terms of what it is to, you know, making, making deadlift changes on the third deadlift and jostling for position and you know, that kind of stuff. It just like that appeals to some like very, very deep part in me. And I, I get a lot out of that. So. Final question, final question. Mm-hmm. Okay. So final question on the powerlifting side of things. So uh, equipped versus raw. Mm-hmm. So how are you getting on with that at the moment? So right now um, just lifting raw. Okay. I, I love equipped lifting. I think I will probably go back to it at some point. Um, I talked a lot about wanting to do the world games and was like dead set on that. And then when COVID kind of set everything back and pushed everything back, I had to reassess my priorities for that period of time. And when I did, I kind of fell back in love with raw lifting and I'm really enjoying it right now. And my raw total is, I don't know, 60 or 70 kilos less than what I think I can do now. Um, So I really want to go update my raw total and I just got accepted for raw worlds. So raw is appealing to me right now. The biggest thing for me is just time with uh, running the business and with having a number of different sort of avenues of the business with, you know, doing the apparel stuff and managing a team of coaches and running the app and all these other things. Um, it, it becomes very time consuming and I feel like I can do a better job of that kind of stuff when my sessions are only like two hours instead of four hours. So for me, it's a, it's a trade-off of priorities and the thing that equipped lifting was to me for a while where I was seeing really steady progress and feeling like a bit of a novice again. I'm getting some of that out of raw lifting right now because I've gone up a weight class. And I think some of that strength gain of gaining a bunch of weight is starting to catch up and I'm starting to be able to realize some of those gains. And I mean, the big thing, yeah, is, is kind of just progress. I just want to make progress, you know? So right now I'm making progress raw lifting. I'm enjoying it. If it fits my schedule. So we're going to stick with that for the time being. How many sessions? Time. You, how many sessions of yours were like four hours? Uh, that would be like twice a week, maybe three times a week. Four I would have like hours. Three or four hour sessions. Yeah, yeah. When you get into the equipment, like just to warm up to the weight, and I don't do like a a, a like warm up. I don't do leg swings and dynamic walks and whatever else. Like I just get under the bar and squat it as many times as I need to until I feel like I'm ready to squat. Um, but yeah, just to get enough weight on the bar, to get knee wraps, to get straps up, to get into the suit, to get out of the suit, to get the bench shirt on. Like I would do squat and bench in a day. And that would take me about four hours, three and a bit. If I was lucky, if I was speeding along. So yeah, the equipped stuff takes long, takes a long time, um, which I kind of love, but it just doesn't fit. doesn't fit right now. So finally, what are your, aspirations now with regards to powerlifting what are you aspiring to do Hmm. um so i've got my eyes pretty pretty firmly set on the uh the raw deadlift record in the 120s uh it it sits at 372 and a half and uh i've recently pulled as much as 380 in training so uh i think i can go and take a pretty good crack at that I have a, <laughs> a longtime friend and rival here in Canada. Uh, we competed against each other in 2014 at nationals and he beat me. So we've been long awaiting uh, a rematch and it sounds like he's going to cut down to 120, and I'm going to be able to compete against him at worlds in Sweden this year. So that to me is also going to be really fun and really interesting to have like a good friend who's a rival um, to have this, this sort of faded rematch after eight years or whatever. But you need that, though, don't you? You need that extra push to, yeah. you know, to get to to take it to the next level. So, um, when is this rematch taking place? Potential so rematch. It'll be, uh, I think, yeah, uh, like late September, early October is okay. Worlds in Sweden. So it'll be interesting, and it's certainly that's not the the that's not the extent of the depth in terms of competition in the one twenties. Like I think there'll be there'll be some pretty good competition. Uh, I'm not sure if the USAPL is going to be able to send Dennis or not, but uh, it should still be, should still be pretty damn good. So 
yeah, I mean, that's the next thing, right? Is I think I'm going to try to take that record at North Americans in uh, five or six weeks here at sort of a smaller meet, right? Uh, and then at Worlds, it'll just be putting together the biggest total I, I can, hopefully, hopefully ending up on the podium if I'm capable of it that day. Um, and just, you know, doing, doing the best I can. So, um, you know, I was, I was talking to my, talking to my wife last night and talking to Mike and, you know, if, if Dennis doesn't go to worlds, then this will probably be the, the, the best shot I would ever have or have had so far anyways, uh, at, at potentially taking world champion. I don't know what sorts of competitors and, and competition I'll have on the day, obviously uh, a fair bit of it, but you know, uh, I think I have, I think I have a lot of capability if I have my best day. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. What was your wife's reaction about you moving up to 120? Because you know, I mean, you I, saw it. You, you know, saw I'm asking you this video. question. You, you saw know, it in the video that was completely unscripted. I had started thinking about that a few days before I, I talked to her about it in the video, and I told Dylan, and he's like, "Don't tell her yet." He's like, "We gotta, we gotta film that." So her, her reaction in the, in the, in the, the, the little mini doc there, that's exactly how she reacted. Um, no, she, my, my wife is insanely supportive and I'm incredibly lucky and, and very, very happy, um, when it comes to my marriage, but, uh, she's, yeah, I mean, her, she was very much like, you know, do what you got to do and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Just be healthy yeah. and, uh, you know, get your blood work done and make sure you're not, uh, like, don't have like bad cholesterol or some shit like that. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'd be surprised if I check my phone. She hasn't texted me to ask if I've eaten lunch yet. Has she? Yeah. yeah she just texted me. Hi, eat something, please. <laughs> so she's like, she's incredibly supportive. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So top five tips you would give to aspiring powerlifters out there who are looking at getting into powerlifting or at a certain level have started competing in powerlifting. What would, Bryce Krauchek's five tips be. Okay. Uh, number one, learn to fall in love with the process. Like pick out, focus on, and, and obsess over the things that you enjoy in training. Don't get caught up in the results and the numbers and all those kinds of things. Those will come and go. But the training, the process, going in, putting your head down, doing the work, that's always going to be there. So learn to fall in love with that or you're not going to last. If you don't love training and lifting the weights and doing the repetitive quote unquote, like air quote, boring things, you're probably not going to stick around for very long. So number one, fall in love with the process. Um, number two, I guess would be, you know, be patient. Um, a lot of people again are, are in kind of a rush to get to where they're going. And, you know, if you look at most of the great lifters uh, who have been around for any period of time and one, you know, a number of world championships and broken a bunch of records and, you know, made a real name for themselves in powerlifting. They've been doing this for a long time, right? Uh, more and more lifters nowadays, I think are experiencing a lot of success earlier on in their careers. And maybe that's just because I've been around for a long time that it seems like that. Maybe that's a bias of mine, but uh, yeah, I think it's really important that people kind of learn to just like, I, I mean, I, that kind of falls into the first tip again, but yeah. just being patient, not, not rushing yourself and putting the, the, uh, the cart before the horse, as it were. Um, the next thing would be just focus on your recovery. And I know that gets harped on all the time. And everything I say is probably going to be super cliche that people have heard before, but maybe I put it in a way it sticks in for yeah. one or two lifters, but like get sleep go to sleep at night. I, so many people like in our, in our, uh, community discord, like we have a public discord and then we have the app discord, but public discord, there's a few people that are like, yeah, I, you know, I sleep like three, four hours a night. And it's like, what are you doing? Netflix. Like, and <laughs> <laughs> not, not literally. What are you doing that late at night? Like that's, that's your own business. But, um, like you just, you are really shooting yourself in the foot. If you don't like get a decent amount of sleep, uh, so if you're serious in the slightest about powerlifting, like that is one thing that you, it, like, it's okay to be a little bit restrictive with, just go to bed, get like seven or eight hours of sleep every night and just watch your training get so much better. Um, I guess that's, that's three. So number four, I would say, don't be afraid to eat. 
right? I think a lot of people get tied to a weight class really early on and they're like, oh, you know, I, I feel like I'd be more competitive here. Uh, and we coach, a, we coach a university uh, varsity powerlifting team out of Boston. Shoutouts to, to NUPL if any of you guys are listening. Um, but one of the things Taylor and I are really doing with those boys is trying to get them comfortable with the idea of eating. Like they're young, they're relatively new. If we can just get you to like gain some weight, you're going to have a hell of a lot of better time of a better time getting stronger. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of the times we get caught up in like this, this body dysmorphia that seems to, you know, disproportionately affect people in fitness and, you know, nothing's ever good enough. We're not big enough. We're not lean enough, but if you can be comfortable just eating in a small surplus for a long period of time, you're going to make gains. Um, and number five, I would say, yeah, again, go, I'm going to go back, double down on my previous point and say, track your training, pay attention to what you're doing, learn to have, like either, either just get on with a good coach or begin developing a system of understanding and controlling your training, um, understanding the impact of certain variables on the outcomes of your training and developing a system around that, that you're comfortable manipulating, because that's essentially what coaching is, right? Is coming up with okay, I have this framework where we have this athlete and we can determine all of these things about this athlete by trial and error, but I have a system for the trial and error. So I can tell when it's an error and when it's, you know, when we're getting good results um, and can tell, you know, to a reasonable extent of certainty anyways, how much or, or whether or not these variables are having an impact. So coming up with a, a sort of system for your training where you can work within a, a framework that, that makes sense to you um, or at least just like tracking your training, just, just start with like writing some shit down in a, in a, in a notebook or go get the calorie barbell training app. That's a great place to start too. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Get the calorie barbell app. Um, I actually still use a book and I still write in a yeah, book. I have, I have probably 15 notebooks over in my, yeah. my, uh, filing cabinet over there, but covering the last nine years of training. Surely you use your app now though. Yeah. Uh, I use a different app because I use, I basically log my training for my coach. Right. Okay. Right. As opposed to, to using the, the training app, but yeah. Cool. Perfect. Bryce, thank you so much. And thank you so much for answering all these questions. I'm sure, sure. really informative for so many powerlifters out there, especially powerlifters out there. Thank you so much for taking time out and joining me on the podcast. Really, really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best and all the success in everything you do. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.